Ibero and welcome to pop wait 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 before we do any of that can we talk about the Grammys because we are witnessing history tonight breaking the record for the most Grammy wins of all time be upstanding and show your respect it's renaissance Beyonce Now, I know everyone is still seething from the Grammys on Sunday and the fact that our queen was absolutely robbed of her album of the year win. But I just want to say, listen, there is no Grammy, no Emmy, no Tony, no award in this world that can take away from the genius and the unfiltered excellence that is Beyonce, Giselle, Ayomide, Segilola, Knowles. And I want to read a tweet from my good friend, Gloria Alamru, who is an amazing writer because I think it really sums up how we all feel about this moment so her tweet after the grammys read renaissance was so much more than the album of the year this was an album that spanned generations reaching back in time and still somehow sounding like nothing before it it's praise it's joy it's healing it is her opus and beyonce truly is the artist of our lives yes listen i couldn't have said it any better myself and so I know people are upset, but the, the greatness cannot be denied. But moving on to one of my favorite moments of the night. I wrote this book to honor the six-year-old Viola, to honor her, her life, her joy, her trauma, everything. And it has just been such a journey. I just EGOT. Another very well-deserved win. Seeing Viola Davis win her EGOT and to see her win this award specifically for her book, Finding Me, which is all about her journey and her life story, um, was really just incredible. Like she got all the things when she was writing about her journey to getting all the things. And it also made me think a lot about people in entertainment who have been working on their craft for years, like in a world, especially today, where we get to see the viral sensation and and the immediacy of fame these days. I think about people like Ava DuVernay and Oprah and Viola Davis, who in many ways spent years grinding before they got their flowers or before they got the thing that we now know them as. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It just really gives me hope and it makes me want to also savor every moment of the right now because I'm a person who really gets caught up in like thinking about where I should be or thinking about things I should have done by certain points in my life. And so just watching these people have built these incredible careers on their own timelines and and doing it with so much grace and so much class is just amazing to see and um and some not so great news i think i'm just officially done with the housewives franchise like if you've been watching real housewives of potomac lately you've probably seen all the drama with the cast that's been happening since the season wrapped and if you're not up on your housewives tea i'll just quickly summarize so pretty much a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago a woman sent a message to a bunch of bloggers letting her know that she was in a relationship with Juan um, during the pandemic and so Juan is Robin's husband as we know our roommates 
partner, boyfriend, co-parent. I I don't know what they're doing. But anyway, so this woman says that she was in a relationship with Juan during the pandemic and she had even flown out to see him, sent in receipts. There was a whole like hotel bill with Juan's full government name on it. So like the proof is in the pudding. This isn't, you know, this isn't something suspected. It's happened. Long story short, none of this aired on the season of Real Housewives of Potomac that just wrapped. And again, this is a show that, of course, is supposed to be about their real lives. Um, and if you do watch the show, you'll know that, you know, Robin is very often teaming up with her bestie Giselle to kind of instigate a ton of drama on the show and, and really dig into people's lives and people's marriages. And so it's one thing to have left out that information, but... It's also another thing to be the main one instigating drama, um, especially this season, which we now know was just to try to throw the scent off herself. So I don't know. Again, I've, I've talked a bunch in, I think, episode one about just how stressful like the Housewives franchise has become as a whole. And this is just one more thing that makes me go like, this just isn't fun for me anymore. And I think Candace said it best when she said in a tweet, like, these people are tarnishing the integrity of this show, making up stories about the husbands, not telling their real experiences. Like there's just too much happening outside of the like housewives metaverse. And it's, it takes you out of the fun. It takes you out of the excitement. Like it's just not fun anymore. Um, so I don't know, like Andy Cohen is going to have to figure something out and figure out a way to get the fans back on their side because it's not looking good and i'm gonna say it again i love 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 housewives i've been a lifelong housewives fan but i really really think the last few years they've definitely been in their flop era so i don't know hopefully with all of the pushback that has come from this season they will listen to that and and take notes um and hopefully we won't see so much of this producing happen in future seasons because that's exactly what it is it's people in the cast it's housewives making themselves producers and producing on the show no leave the producing to the producers anyway that's my housewives rant for today and on to today's show my son tyree he was a beautiful person. He had a beautiful soul. And this should have never happened to him. Last week, the world saw gruesome video of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols being killed by police. And this video is horrifying. I don't advise anyone to watch it. You probably already have. Um, but I say that. I say don't watch it. But I wonder, is there really any way to avoid it? Because it feels like police brutality videos have become a regular part of just being on social media these days. Um, but this spectacle of Black death really didn't start on social media. It's in our books, it's in our TV shows, it's in the films that we watch. And this week, I really wanted to just take a step back and look at the ways in which we as a culture have simply grown accustomed to seeing Black people die on screen. 
So we've all seen films like Fruitvale Station, The Hate You Give, Queen and Slim, all of them kind of centered around the idea of police brutality. Um, and here's the thing, we need to have conversations about police violence and all the other really uncomfortable ways that anti-blackness continues to manifest itself through the mechanisms of the state. The issue is that most of these films and TV shows either don't have anything particularly new or interesting to say about these issues or in the worst case, are just unnecessarily gruesome and gratuitous. And when I think about why these movies are so violent and gruesome, I think one of the big questions we need to be asking is who benefits from this type of filmmaking? The fact of the matter is, seeing Black people die on screen sells. Like, we've seen this happen time and time again. And it's almost like now white audiences have just been primed to see this happen. And even when you look at, like, just what kinds of filmmaking gets funded, what kinds of films get rewarded at the award shows, it's clear that there's just far more buy-in from Hollywood, uh, from the Hollywood machine for films that portray excessive violence against Black people. I've written about this in the past. Um, I also wrote again in my column for The Guardian about Tyree Nichols, and I'm going to post a link to that in the show notes, but I was really just talking about the fact that Again, like I said, I didn't watch that video because I'm honestly just tired of watching Black people die. It shouldn't be normal for us to be such a big part of people's last moments in the ways that we've become accustomed to. And I think the biggest issue is just how used to this we've become. Um, and, you know, it's like we're not asking the question often enough, I think, what does this do to a person's psyche to continue to see these videos over and over and over and over again? Um, in my piece, I quoted Jamil Smith, who's a writer um, and in 2015 wrote in The New Republic that seeing these images time and time again has, quote, deadened our collective senses. Um, and I think it's just such a perfect way of describing this sensation that I think we've all kind of become complicit in but don't want to admit like we have become a bit des desensitized we shouldn't be able to you know open your timeline and just see raw images of a person being brutalized by other people by a group of other people and screaming and crying out and watching you know the life leave them um we shouldn't be able to watch that and it shouldn't be normal it shouldn't be a part of our you know how we consume our news it shouldn't be a part of how we tell our stories in the way that it is today um and on top of that, you know, for the people who refuse to see the ways that policing is bad and that policing is inherently anti-Black, showing them these videos over and over again just doesn't do anything. So, you know, for example, again, I mentioned in my piece, even the guy who filmed the Rodney King um, beating wasn't convinced that you know cops were all bad like this is the person who actually had the eyewitness testimony and saw watch these men nearly beat this man to death from a window and still he can say i don't think police are all that bad and i kind of feel bad that i put this video out and i'm making them look bad so you know again the man who took this video is now dead and i will i won't speak too much for him but just knowing that bombarding ourselves with these videos and these images not only is dehumanizing and continues to contribute to the many myriad ways that black people are viewed as less than human in this world, 
but also for the people who have already made up their minds that police are fine and that there is no such thing as anti-black policing and that police aren't um, just inherently violent, none of this is helping. And in the worst case, it's just traumatizing us. So for black people who have continued to see the Rodney Kings and the Alton Sterlings and the Philando Castiles and the Eric Garners and Laquan McDonald's and, you know, the Sandra Bland's and all of these people die right in front of us. What does that do to us as a people? What does that do to us as black people? And I think we really need to, again, interrogate how it is that we came to a point where this is so normal um but also why is it that that has become the standard of proof to begin with why does it take black people dying and then us watching black people die and participating in this gruesome voyeurism in order to believe that policing is anti-black there's so many questions and you know for me I've just decided I'm opting out. I am opting out of this cycle. I just, I can't do it anymore. And for the first time, I didn't watch the Tyree Nichols video. And I just, you know, coming out on the other side of that, I don't feel like I missed anything. I still feel just as shitty. I still mourned him just as deeply as I would have if I had seen the video. And I still feel just as awful when I think about the ways in which we as black people are completely disregarded in this world and we continue to not be afforded the same grace and dignity and humanity um as other people it just it's it's just as bad even when you don't watch it on your screen um and so that was really heavy um that's my episode for today but before i go i did want to leave you with some black joy so here's viola davis's grammy win speech um she won a grammy this weekend best audiobook narration and storytelling recording for her memoir finding me and this win officially made her an egot winner so here's viola davis Collins, Lavelle Levette, you are the, you epitomize sister friend, and really, to everybody who was a part of my story, and the best chapter yet, my loves, Julius, Genesis, you are my life, and my joy, you are the best chapter in my book, thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you like the show, don't forget to leave us a nice comment, a review, share it, tell your friend, um, or just write us an email and tell us what you liked about the show. Bye.